Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tech Explaining. Uh, this is Rob, and I'm here with Mark and Stephanie, and and a very special guest just down the hall from Mark, uh, Bergen Rackley. <laughs> so, how's it going, everybody? Woo woo! Yeah, hey, hey, guys! Long time no talk. It's it's great to to be back with the gang, minus Brett, wherever he is. He's there seems to be a like a, isn't there a conference or something with uh, uh, you know that Addis and Spence are working on? I wonder if he's working with those guys. I haven't seen him in the pictures. I don't think he's part of the organization committee for that. So I, don't, I haven't seen that, but that would be a, I bet that's a fun time. They look like they're doing a lot of hard work. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's, it's always good to see our friends getting together at a conference and stuff. And speaking of that, um, it, it's, it sounds like that the, um, you know, everything's going on for the North American collaboration summit. Uh, looks like that's going to be a, a great opportunity to get together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're seeing a nice spike in registrations because, you know, we're doing the Microsoft Ignite's doing their thing on the same dates. So we're we are seeing a nice spike from people who want to come to Branson and and watch the Ignite section, Ignite sessions with us there. So that'll be cool. Yeah, I think that, I was really surprised to see how Microsoft was doing their uh, their new shows was, uh, you know, like they're I guess they're trying to ramp back up to the full, you know, you know uh, Ignite sessions to you know, 20,000 people or whatever. But they did it kind of as a lottery and uh, just a small venue in Seattle and then doing all these like regional uh, touch points and stuff. And I think that's I think that's uh, an interesting go at it. I mean, it actually makes travel on, you know, people like us a lot less, right, to where we can just go to a regional event and you know, maybe in our town or at least in our state. So that I think that's, um, it's an, I, I like it. I, the more I think about it, the more I like it. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what they actually do. Um, hopefully it's not just remote viewing. Hopefully they do a little more flair, like maybe more like what we're doing in Branson to make it feel like you're actually part of a community. Cause I know people are just sick and tired of virtual. They're, they're so tired of it. My, my uh, registrations for Branson, like I had a handful of people sign up for virtual, but in the past five months, I don't think I've had any virtual attendees register. I think it's just, they're just done with it. They're like, we, we don't want this anymore. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I've, I'm virtually burned out <laughs> all that stuff as well. I mean, it really does, um, it really does like impact my well being to sit on another call for, you know, 20 more minutes or whatever. <laughs> I yeah. do have a new, I do have a new rule that, uh, you know, if a call's running over, if somebody says, I know we're out of time, but if somebody says that at least three times, I, I just drop. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of a, something I've just adopted as myself. Like I can't handle this anymore. I'm out. <laughs> Wise decision. I just drop. I don't even give a warning. I'm like, I'm out. Got a meeting. <laughs> so how's how's your guys? You know, I know you guys are are in. Before we get into our topic here of of discussion, um, everything going good with the uh, the new the new roles? And are you growing? Are you learning? I mean, what's the? You know, I'm going to ask Stephanie because hey, I know you've got a you've got a fun role and you seem to be smiling. So let's let's talk about that. Yeah. So I have we talked about this? I feel like we did talk about it a little bit on the last. Well, it's podcast. been a few months though, right? So you're, you're still yeah. now in, you know and. What did they yeah, call you true. in Dallas? So they had a nickname for you in Dallas. Oh, well, they're calling me Stephanie 2.0 um, because apparently I'm a little more chill these days and maybe a little more fun. I don't know. That's what I've heard. Uh, but there's a little less stress with uh, with the new job. And uh, it's fun because I get to work with our technologists all over the world. So I get some really great perspectives, not just from um, you know, the, the typical communities that I'm super involved and familiar with, but also with the different cultures and perspectives 
Um, so that's a lot of fun. And of course, they're all like our best technologists because I work with our tech leadership communities. So really, really bright people. Um, and, and just some of the stuff I think that we have going on with our projects and the emerging technology space, uh, really, really cool stuff. So yeah, no, no complaints from me on that. I mean, I can't speak for Mark though. I don't know. Mark, what do you think? How are well, going? I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's the nice stress level is way down too because you know before we had to, you know we had to sell, I had to do project work, I had to do all this other stuff and run a company. So it's just, you know, have to make sure that that people are putting their timesheets in. Like I, I don't care if you put your timesheet in anymore. It's not my job to worry about that. So the things yeah. that you have to like, really takes way too much of your mental energy. All that's done done now. You know, I've instead of being on 10, 12, 13 projects, I think the max I've been on is like three projects. Um, and smaller in a smaller engagement percentage wise with those projects and doing some sell stuff. And yeah, it's 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 it is a definitely a nice change of pace. And it's nice to know that there's like a real career path so I can, you know, move my career in a direction I want to move. So no you complaints. Both, both of part. you guys look great and relaxed and look like you're having fun. So I you know, I can I can see it in the in the webcam view I'm looking at right now. So that's good. Maybe slightly <laughs> biased. I mean it is a holiday weekend. <laughs> well I, I don't know um mark do you want to introduce our our guest here he's uh you know i guess you could probably walk down the hall and, and do the same you know the same introduction behind him or <laughs> well yeah so on the call today we have a special guest he is a complete pain in the butt um but that's he comes by naturally it's my son his name is bergen rackley and little trivia fact, he's actually named after a Ryan Reynolds character. Does anybody on the call know who the Ryan Reynolds character is? Oh, Stephanie, looks like she knows. I, is it, I think I know the show. I think I know this, a little bit of the story. Is it the, the Two Guys, a Girl, in a Pizza Place? Yes, Ryan Reynolds character yeah. from Two Guys, a Girl, in a Pizza Place. His name was Berg. So that's that's how he got his name. So there, there's your trivia for the day. There uh, you go. <laughs> yep. Uh, Bergen has been doing, you know, he's a senior in college right now, and he has been doing SharePoint work for the past well, almost four years. So about four years ago, he actually took Andrew Connell's SPFX course. Um, he did such a good job on the course that Andrew actually hired him to help him edit some of his future courses. Uh, he He's worked for me and Stephanie in the past doing uh, SharePoint framework work, power platform work. Uh, he's recently been at uh, Takeda Pharmaceuticals doing power platform work for those guys as well. So he's, you know, in all this while attending college and he has grown up in the technology space and it's what he does for fun. You know, he's he's a little bit of a, of a geek that way. And so he did a really I thought was like uh, if someone had said, here, here's a project I want you to do. I probably would have said that's yeah, I'm not going to mess that. That's that's not really possible. And within just a very short period of time, he did a really cool project uh, around translation. And I will let him, I don't want to give away too much of the story, um, but Bergen, why don't you like walk us through what, maybe at a high level, what you did and how you thought and how like what made you think to do this project and, and how you got started. And we can maybe ask you questions about more specific details as we go. Sure. Yeah, so um, there was a video game that I bought imported from Japan. Uh, it came only in Japanese, uh, Japanese subtitles, Japanese uh, language. So I didn't know how to play it. I couldn't play it at all. And I went to the subreddit for the game, 
and I was looking at the posts and people were playing it using Google Translate. So they'd have their switch in their hand and their phone in the other hand, and they'd be looking through their phone at the screen. And I was not gonna play the game like that. That was uncomfortable. It was slow, uh, just total pain. So I realized that you know, there's translation APIs out there. I can write .NET programs. Why don't I write a program that can read screen capture from my computer and then translate the text, um, extracting the text and then translating the text and then overlay it back on the original text on my screen so that I can play the game and hopefully real time. It didn't end up being real time, but it's pretty quick um, and not have to go through that whole rigmarole to uh, use it. So like how, like, I mean, how did well, you- First of all, let's talk about like, what hardware did you have to use to do that? I mean, yeah. so like, obviously you need a camera, you need, you know, you, you need a, a switch, it sounds like. Um, what, what hardware did you use to kind of overlay in, in all of that? Yeah, so it wasn't, um, this isn't me shouting them out or anything, but there's a product called the Genki Shadowcast, which is kind of just like capture card uh, made specifically for game consoles where you plug the HDMI from like the switch dock into a USB-C adapter that plugs into your computer. And that opens up on a program uh, called, I think, Shadow Play. So you can use your switch screen. You can use your computer screen as a monitor for your switch screen uh, through USB-C. So I would use, I used um, some capture functions in .NET or in Z-Sharp to take a photo of my screen with that program running so that I could overlay it on top of my entire screen. How, how many, um, so when you did that, did you, did you essentially just, did you hook into the like screenshot capture software or did you just take like a, a broad, like it's full screen anyway. So you're taking a broad full screen kind of capture of that. How did you, how did you decide to do that? Or was there any integration with, with the screen capture stuff? Uh, no, it's just a full screen, uh, capture. So it could work on any, any program on your screen. If you're using Chrome or something like that, go through web page. Um, you took a full screen capture and there is a, a hidden, a hidden form, but there is a form that's stuck to the top of the screen that you can click through and it's like see-through transparent. So what I would do is I used Azure's open, open character recognition, optical character recognition to extract the text. And that not only gives you the text it extracts, but it gives you a bounding box for where it is in the screen and how big it is. And I used that to create rectangles and labels in the form that's transparent and overlay it on the original text. Oh, wow. So like if a new text, like, you know, you, you probably got like maybe like a score or like a timer that's probably fixed or something on the screen. Did you have stuff that you also had to catch that might, it, it might be like, oh, this, like when this character talks, it comes up over here or whatever. So did you have to do that dynamically or could you just set it up one time and, and then just feed it a number there or feed it the, the data, the results? So when I made it, I wanted it to be real time, but because I was using Azure and I ended up using Google Translate's API instead of Azure Translate, I knew that it would be coming out of my pocket if I kept <laughs> uh, spamming the translate function. <laughs> so I made it, in the end, I ended up doing a, um, just a click to translate. So I have a form open on the screen and I click translate and it takes a photo of the screen, translates and over, overlays it back on the original image. So I didn't have to worry about stuff like that. Because when I wasn't initially uh, thinking about how to develop it, it was, if the text changes, if the image, the way I initially planned on doing it is if the image changed significantly, like there'd be a percent of how different the image was, mm -hmm. then that would choose to trigger the new translation. But um, I was thinking about if there's like a graphic moving on the screen, then that would trigger it constantly 
which happens a lot in the video game. Graphics move a lot in video games. So I yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch of stuff more than I needed to. So Man, I'm that's... curious, why why did you switch from Azure to Google? What was the difference, and why why um, was it better? So the Google Translate felt more natural on small text. If you had a full paragraphs, Azure actually seems to work better than Google Translate. But if you had like small individual words, like if it's a season or a character's name, Google Translate got the more accurate translation on those. Interesting. Oh, wow. So, so one of the things that, that we talked about um, for one of our, our work meetings, we have an internal tool that we're using for translation. And one of the big differentiators for that was in Microsoft Teams, you know, you have live captions and that's a true speech to text translation, which can be kind of clunky. And they had created a solution that was truly like translation, multilingual translation, um, which was better in the course of a conversation that you're having with someone. But you're almost, if I understand correctly, you're almost saying the opposite in this case, that it was a little easier to do maybe a more basic speech to text. Did I did I catch that right? Or Yeah, it wasn't that the words that it was translating were super wrong, but so it was based off a, a IP I'm familiar with. So like characters' names, it wouldn't... Uh translate the names to the actual correct name, it would give you the wrong name, which wasn't a huge thing, but I was like, well, I'm doing this all, all this effort. I want to get it right if I can. And I did misspeak um, earlier. I said I used Azure's OCR. Um, I actually used Google's, and that was the main translation. I The program actually supports translating with uh, Google and Azure. I can switch between them on a Dropbox, and it just changes what function fires, because they both have their strengths and weaknesses. But a big issue I did actually have with Azure OCR um, it might have been the way I was using it, but so sometimes Japanese text is uh, horizontal, but it can also be vertical. And if it was looking at a bunch of vertical lines of text side by side, Azure would often think it was a bunch of horizontal text, which isn't readable. So it would give me horizontal lines of text that meant nothing. Uh, but Google's was more consistent with not doing that. Not to sounds call like, at Microsoft that or anything, but. Yeah, I say it sounds like you have some feedback to send to Microsoft. Yeah. Interesting. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> that really is crazy. What, um, where do you see, like, because I, I can see all kinds of aspects of this being used. Like, what you've done is phenomenal. It really is amazing, like, to, to hey, I've got this problem. I can't play my game. I, I want to translate it. I mean, dude, that's incredible <laughs> what you've done. So, you know, hats off to that. But where do you see, um, like, yeah, what you've done, could, do you think that could potentially be used, um, I guess, as you go forward into like the business world or whatever? I mean, is that is that something? I and mean, what where do you see this actually being applied to people that are out there working in the world? Um, so there's websites that load in languages and sometimes Google Translate will say like, hey, we can translate this page for you and then it'll do the whole document for you. It doesn't work on images on web pages. So if you go to a website and it's got a picture that's all in Japanese or another language, I've made my program just Japanese because I only cared about Japanese. Mm. But it, if you just change the language code, it could do any language. Um, but if you did that, you could translate text and images as well, real time with a program on your computer. Uh, I also was thinking about it after I, program, I was, after I made the program, I was like, I could do this in Power Apps. So I remade the entire thing in Power Apps, which was uh, a terrible decision, but it also worked. Did it work? Yeah, yeah, it worked. <laughs> it was so wow. slow. The translate, the uh, 
the API calls in Power Apps, um, I think still beta, so they're not nearly as fast as they were on the desktop, but it was functional technically. Wow. All right. <laughs> That's cool. Huh. Yeah, I think speaking from you know the perspective of someone who sits in a global role, um, having tools that help us with translation and you know, making them easily accessible where you don't have to, <laughs> to build, you know, and do what Bergen's done, which is amazing. Um, but I think that's really one of our big gaps right now is, you know, having tools that can help us with that easily because we have, you know, global groups that would love to get together and, you know, we share, we come from the perspective of a particular region or a particular solution area and they want to be able to share, um, you know, their their work and their projects and the things that they're doing with others within the organization. Um, but even above and beyond time zones, you know, especially when you get into certain levels, you know, the younger generations within work and, and they don't, you know, not everybody speaks English. Um, so how do you make that communication easier? Because we push so much stuff out, but it's, it's in Teams, it's in SharePoint, it's on calls, we have webinars, you know, how do we get to the point where we have these kind of tools available so that we can all collaborate together and, and do it easily and effectively. I think this is super important as we move forward um, because there's just so much lost in the silos that we sit in, um, you know, just, just not being able to progress with those conversations uh, across boundaries. Yeah, and we, uh, um, I mean, and, and I know he wrote this for his game, but I remember like after he had it working, I'm like, well, would it work on anything? He's like, sure. So he opened up a Japanese a Japanese website all in Japanese and he pushed the button on his program and it put the text the English text right over the screen overlaid it on top of the Japanese and it was like you know you could read it and it was smart enough to set the right the same font size and the same you know character orientation I'm like he's like I'm telling stop wasting your time like who cares if it's vertical just make sure you can read it. he's like no if it's vertical, I want it to stay vertical. So I think even like if it was a vertical text in Japanese, you translated it to English and then turned it landscape sideways so that it was still vertical on the screen of the user in English, but you could read it, but it didn't take up any more real estate on the screen. It was just overlaid on the text that was there. So that's way more attention to detail than I would have put into it. But <laughs> I think that's fantastic, actually. <laughs> I'm just I'm I geek out on this this AI stuff. I've been been playing a lot with it as well, and and um, you know some some of that stuff is is the what what you're doing there is just um, the way the way you've done that and, and designed that is really applicable to what I'm trying to do as well at at work and and. So we're we're looking to go down this this path of doing like call analysis, right? So say we're all on a call, we're recording this call as an example for a podcast. But say let's just say for example this is a sales call, right? And maybe I want to do some sentiment analysis on, you know, we're trying to sell something to Stephanie and is she engaged? Is she listening? Is she is she pissed off, you know, or whatever, right? To where you know, start to really you and I can see how you could easily make the transition and just call another API to say you know, let's take a picture of this screen. Like I've got the uh, the the, the um, webcast here, full screen, but you know, I've got three pictures here. You know, who's in the picture? You know, are they are they looking engaged? Are they looking you know aloof or doing something else or whatever? And really doing some sentiment analysis around uh, you know using the sentiment analysis API or whatever with the vision API um, to to really understand and and get that 
a little bit more information that you you don't get in like virtual calls that you do in real life, right? That body, you miss out on that body language and you miss out on that that things that maybe computer vision can provide you and, and, and stuff like that to where maybe I want, want, want to overlay something under Mark to say, hey, Mark's not paying attention. Maybe he's he's unengaged. Go ahead and engage with Mark more now, you know, so I can get some real time feedback um, to start start really doing, you know, doing some of that stuff um, to where if we're sitting in a room together, like I would notice, like you could go, okay, yeah, I can see Mark is not happy or he's not, I'm picking on you, Mark, but, you know, he's not paying attention or whatever. Um, I can see where you could immediately start plugging in all of the other APIs on top of this and really start to to get some real-time feedback on calls. Oh, no, that'd be fantastic. I mean, you you everybody everybody has that person in their company that rambles, and people just, like, lose focus. If you could create that for that person, just only they saw it, but it's like people are losing focus. People are, you know, stop rambling. Oh, yeah, well, isn't that, well, isn't that they, speaker they do coach, have, though? Yeah, speaker, speaker coach, coach is kind of that. Yeah. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, 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 so it's in PowerPoint, I think, or Teams. It's in, it's in Teams? It's in, yeah. it's in calls as well, too, so you can you can is put that, your own calls, yeah. Yeah, really? I think if, yeah, if you go to the, like in Teams, if you go to the More tab and go to Speaker Coach, it should should be there. I, I'm not seeing it here. It must not be like in this tenant, uh, but it's it's in, at least if you're in the tap or whatever, it's, it's part of that. Um, and uh, well, we might have to edit this out. I don't know if it's, <laughs> it's probably good it's out there yet, but but it's it's coming to teams. And and if it's not there yet already, but it's it's really great. It's really great. Huh? See, I, the things I don't know could fill volumes. But does it have a sarcasm filter? Because both of the Rackleys on this call could maybe use a little. Well, <laughs> a little put a little nudge to say, hey, maybe you should dial it back a little bit. But what it doesn't I would just dial do, it up more. It wouldn't help. <laughs> yeah, what it doesn't do though is it doesn't, it doesn't, it really just listens to you. So you get that personal feedback of, hey, Rob, you need to slow down your talking because you're talking too fast or whatever. Um, but it doesn't give you the hey, not only are you talking a lot, you're making Mark really mad <laughs> when you're talking, right? So that little thing, you could easily do that right over the top of the video or whatever. Um, oh, nice. Just as a prototype, I think it'd be great. Yeah, there's I did, there's a lot of search results for speaker coach, so it's nothing, you know. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> good. Well, and another thing we're trying to we're trying to really do is take the, 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 the goal is to do it in real time so that you can you know, determine what action items are coming out of a meeting. You can determine, you know, maybe the summary of the meeting, what key topics were discussed, all of that stuff they have APIs for, but they're just not, they're just not smart enough to take on the yet. I mean, you have to build models around this, right? But to take on the, the vernacular, I guess, of, of your organization. So, you know, we're working around modeling and to say, okay, you know, how do we how do we determine what an action item is and how do we log that and how do we say, okay, these four action items are are you know came out of this call. Let's put a follow up in your email or something like that to say, hey, you want to follow up because you said you'd do this by Thursday, whatever. Put a you know some kind of thing on your calendar to say, hey, did you get this complete or whatever. Um, but essentially, taking the idea of what traditionally is like a note taker out of the equation and and bring in ai services to to take notes for a you know like a call to where you have a summary you know the the all the stuff we just you know i just talked about you know? no that'd be phenomenal i mean if you had a an ai i think that may be the best idea ever for ai like in ever like if you had someone who could say after a meeting here's the notes we generated here's the follow-up items here's who said what they would do and then you're able to like tweak it make it a little bit nicer and send it out 
I, I mean, that's that's that would be so helpful in all these meetings that we're in. Totally, totally. Well, that and also, um, and I think so. You can do it with the transcript today, and you can get real close. But where we're probably three to five years out is it happening in real time, right? So that maybe there's like a note board on the side of on the side of the screen that updates as the call goes on in real time. And then you can either add to or or delete from or whatever. But you know, an action item pops up and then boom, you know, you can assign it to people or whatever, right? Um, I mean, all of that stuff. I mean, I think we're three to five years out before it happens in real time. Yeah. Uh, because I think Bergen ran into that too. It's like that's a whole lot of calls you got to make over and over again, right? And, you know, if, if this is thing is happening in real time, how, how does it work? How much is it going to cost per call? And, um, but it's, it's really phenomenal. I guess the, 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 all the main vendors that you would think that have AI services are chasing this golden ticket right now, right? So they're all chasing it. Um, I think it's a billion dollar idea. Whoever, whoever makes their first, makes it their first is going to, going to win in the market. Uh, but it has so, so many other opportunities. And I'm sure you guys, Mark, as, as a company and, and Stephanie have, you know, when you go and talk to clients, you might be doing an audit of their infrastructure or whatever, but you've probably got a form that you fill out that has like, say, 25 questions on it. You know, question one is blah, 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 blah. You know, even going down to how your company does business to help you record that conversation and then put the answers in and basically build the document for you based on a conversation rather than somebody taking notes and going, Rob said he does this and blah, 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 you know, or whatever, but completely taking that note taker out of conversation beyond just the meeting summary stuff, right? So really getting into business level modeling of, of AI processes there. Well, that, I mean, if you had, yeah, I mean, if you had some kind of questionnaire that you had to get all filled out and you, in this AI would automatically fill up the question while you're talking. At the end of the conversation, you could say, well, what, what have we not covered? And right there, you can glance at the form and see which fields are empty and say, oh, well, let's yep. make sure we get these. I mean, yeah, I, I if we can get that to a usable state that doesn't cost a billion dollars to use, I mean, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's sell it. Let's do it. Ship it. Bergen, that's your next task. Yeah, Bergen. I can get you halfway there. Yeah, as we can say, he's probably got it working already. So it's, it's <laughs> I do. I like your so, confidence. Like, the open AI like text thing where you like give it a prompt and it generates a thing. I wonder what happens if you tell it to summarize text and you just give it like a paragraph. I wonder if it can do that. They have a summary API um, in Azure that you can do. And it'll say it does a pretty decent job of giving you like three summary sentences. Um, what I've ran into is that it only accepts 7,000 characters at one time. Right. So which makes sense to me, because I, I, as I got to traversing like meeting transcripts and as you go through, like, say, a 30 minute meeting, you typically talk about different topics by the time 7000 characters have have been, you know, have been said. Mm -hmm. So it really does give you a good if you can chunk it into 7000 character increments, it gives you a good flow of the summary of how the meeting went. Um, so you might have nine sentences at the end of it. Right. But it, that kind of shows you, hey, the first third of the meeting was this and the middle chunk of the meeting was this. And the last, you know, was all the wrap up stuff or whatever. So um, it's good. It's not great. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> but we're, it's getting there. They're, they're really uh, the models are, are changing on a rapid pace. Very cool. I look forward to our robot overlords. <laughs>
Yeah, what are we going to do when the machines do our job for us? We'll be lounging by the pool all day. Hopefully, so. hopefully focus on the hard stuff, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's the hope. But yeah, it's going to be a long way away, depending uh, based on what I'm seeing today. So speaking of AI, uh, I signed up for Dolly. Are you guys familiar with that? That's um, an AI where you can type in a sentence and it'll generate an image through AI for what you typed in. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I've been... Uh, playing with that a lot and it's sometimes it's brilliant sometimes it gives you like the most horribly disgusting creepy images in the world um but i think that's also a really cool space where ai is is starting to be you know democratized and in the hands of consumers and where you can go out there and just play with it today and i think if you you can go sign up for dolly and you get like 15 free images a month that you can oh, just wow. like type in really bizarre sentences and and it's it's amazing what it can do. When it does it well, it does it crazy well. Like, why don't you give um, us give us a good example of like what would you type in, and then what would it give you back? So the so I'm actually gonna one of them I did, and it's like you could be very detailed, and you can say, um, you know, let me get it pulled up what I have right here, so I can because it keeps a history of what you've done too. So for some of the the really interesting ones I did, like. And people say I, I I may need to see a doctor because of the randomness of of some of the things I say. But I said um, Elvis Presley talking to a cow about jumping over the moon while wearing high heels at sunset, and it it pretty much nailed it. I was like, it, and it gives you four different images. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll actually post the images on our blog of these things that I talked about so you can see what it did. <laughs> Um, and it, it did a great job. Uh, another one I did, which Rob actually called out on Facebook, is I said a, a, a photo of a happy conference attendee eating bacon. And it looks like a photograph and it's people eating bacon. And as Rob pointed out, it was three white guys and one white woman. And it was like, <laughs> you know, it wasn't it wasn't inclusive. Right. And he's and you know, he was kind of picking on me about it, but it's a good point. This is an AI that's learning and you can make it inclusive by asking it to do things inclusive. And that's how it actually grows. So I did a follow up once, you know, telling it to be an inclusive audience. And it actually it was more inclusive. Oh, was it really? OK, yeah. cool. Yeah. And you can get pretty specific, right? So you can tell it what media type yes. you want it to be, too, right? Yeah. One of the coolest ones I did was uh, Mary Poppins bowling in the swamp wearing a fedora digital art. And it's just it. it How do you come up crazy. with these things, man? I know. That's, I know, that's I know. Can we can we talk about this for a minute though? Because I I saw something on this, and it, I um someone commented on my LinkedIn when I posted an article about this, and they said, "Is it really art anymore?" Because if it's generated by a machine, I mean, have you ever gone out and and just looked at the definition of art? Um, it actually kind of gives you the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination. I, Is it you art? Know what? I, Are you I saying the sentences somebody... he came up with weren't imaginative? Elvis Presley talking <laughs> to a cow? But it was his imagination, not the machines that created it. Um, but, but it's, it's, it is coming into question. Like people are discussing, like, is it really art if it's machine generated? Because it's only taking examples of what someone else has created and recreating it and how, in a specific way. I don't know. So, I thought that was an interesting question. So then if you've got a reprint of an artwork sitting in your, on your wall, is that art then? Cause it's just a reprint of somebody else's work. I don't know. 
But the two other examples I'll share, then I'll, I'll put them in the blog that I th thought I did a really good job of, is an impressionist painting of a grandmother swimming in the ocean with a VR headset on while being chased by bank robbers from the 1930s. It did not get the bank robbers the 1930s, but actually the style is the 1930s, but it, it nailed the rest of it. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last one I did that I thought it did a really good job of is um, a unicorn wearing sunglasses and a sombrero while breakdancing on top of the Empire State Building digital art. And it it did a great job with that one as well. So, again, I'll post these on the blog so people can see them, but it was it's fun. So things it doesn't do. I've heard logos don't you can't get it to really generate logos very easily text, and yeah. yeah text in general just doesn't go well yeah it's it's some things when it fails it fails spectacularly bad um the one I did today that failed was and I actually just posted it on Twitter was a uh, teenage mutant ninja puppies so what it would do with that and it just it just it just did some pictures of puppies that and it's got really bad text over it. It's just, it did a horrible job. I so. thought it was funny. Did it really have like COVID masks on the last one? Yes. Like <laughs> it <did>. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it also doesn't do actual people. Like if you tell it to do like a, I did a, an astronaut and a, uh, a, an astronaut and a cowboy boxing at a prom and it did a decent job of that. But then I said, uh, I said, Darth Vader and Buzz Lightyear boxing at a prom. And it was just really freaky and weird and didn't make much sense. So yeah, it was probably like, specific... I don't want to get sued over that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, so it can't do characters or like real people really well. So if you use a real person, it's it's not going to be uh, great. Huh. But go to labs.openai.com and you can sign up for Dolly. I'm on my way right now. <laughs> See, if you ever get that sentiment analysis working and it says that Mark is really engaged in a meeting, he's just not looking at the screen and he's using Dolly instead. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, stop that. Okay. <laughs> so what's, Bergen, what's next? What, no, I was I was going to ask you what what's uh, you know since we're kind of coming to the end of the uh, the show here, what's it like being a college student right now? And I'm assuming you're studying computer science. Yeah, I'm doing computer science. It's boring. It's boring. <laughs> I, um, yeah. So for some people, it's good. It's I like that it's online. I think that the schools really like. Well, so first off. I feel like most computer science people don't want to be teachers. They want to be in the field. So I feel like all the teachers are like, you would rather just be working on this kind of project instead of telling me how to work on this kind of project, wouldn't you? Um, and the subjects are very broad, I think is part of my personal issue with it. Because it's supposed to be for people who are like, they don't really know what they want to do with their future. Uh, I kind of I know what I want to do with my future. So I don't need to take a mobile apps development class when I know I don't really have any interest in developing mobile apps. Or uh, well, how I do you take know computer security. Try? Isn't that part of sure. it? Did it should be introduced? I do have some interest in mobile apps. Um, thinking about like uh, homebrew augmented reality. Um, I have an interest in that. I've considered trying to make something with that. 
but I had taken computer security class last semester. Mobile apps is an elective I'm choosing to take, but I had to take computer security. So that was creating a security design document and uh, security protocols for different uh, situations. And it was the entire class was just creating this one document of like security protocols. I will never do that ever again. I will never need that in my life. If anyone ever offers me a job for that, it doesn't matter how much money it is, I'm gonna say no, because it was miserable. Well, do you know how much I used the classes that, that I took in school, like, you know, 20 years ago? Rarely. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, like, but, you know, Bergen's got four years of consulting experience now doing, you know, like meeting with clients, gathering requirements, doing documentation, you know, creating software, going through an agile process. It's just things he does naturally now so now i have to sit through a class to teach him how to do it it's it's, so it's well i was wondering actually does that do your do your professors seem intimidated by that right because i mean you you've got real experience and they probably don't have as much um so sometimes it seems like it's okay and other times it doesn't um i had a class that was just teaching me how to do html and css and And I asked the teacher, like, hey, I know how to do this. And he said, here's a document format it. And if you do it in a way I like, I'll just let you skip the class. So that was cool. And that was an instance in which I, I think he just appreciated that, you know, experience cannot weigh a classroom setting. But then in other instances, a, a class I have this semester, it's about setting up project structure using like DevOps and working in a team. And it's like, yeah, I know how to do that. I've been doing that. And I mentioned it, not like in a can I test out of this class kind of way. And he was like, okay, cool. You have a lot of insight for the class then. It's like, I was hoping you would say I could skip this class, but at least you didn't say anything mean. Yeah, well, I wonder if that's, if that's, if they do, if they would call on you, right? Because I think that's, you do have a lot of great experience that you could bring to the class. Like I, I would want somebody like you in my class to go, you know, how would you handle this? And can you share with you know, your experiences with with kids that are going to be going into, you know, doing this, at, you know, in, in the next 18 months or whatever? So I think well, that's, and that's an important part of tech leadership is giving back and mentoring others. And I think given that opportunity, maybe maybe not entirely fair, maybe, you know, because you are advanced compared to them. But if you contribute and add back to the class, that should be an easy A, right? And a good lesson on working with others in teams and, you know, being able to, to show that you can mentor others uh, is a really strong skill set that's very much needed. Because I think one of the things that's a little uh, maybe surprising for some technologists that they think they're going to sit in a corner and code the rest of their career. And truly, if you want to move up the ladder, at some point, you don't scale as an individual technologist. You can only charge the customers so much per hour and you can only be paid so much per hour in accordance to that as a consultant. If you want to move into leadership, you have to mentor others and you have to contribute back. Not that you should be expected to do that necessarily your senior year of college, but um, still really strong skills to, to be aware of and to think about um, that could potentially you could put on a resume later too. Yeah, and you can also point out in, in the classes like when they talk about how they, they teach you how to do something when it's not really real world, that may be a, a good opportunity to say, well, yeah, that's how you're explaining story points in an agile board. But you know what? That's not how companies do it today. <laughs> you got to be careful of the teacher, though. Some, some teachers may not want that feedback. <laughs> yeah, it should be okay, yeah, you don't listen to me. Telling the teacher you're wrong probably doesn't get you an A. Reminds me of that movie Back to School, which is, did not work out for Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> But he's a heck of a diver, though. <laughs> yeah, he 
was. He was. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well, Bergen, thank you so much for for joining us today from down the hall. I guess and everything, but uh, we appreciate it. I mean, what what you're doing is amazing. You know, keep on keeping on. I know you're going to be successful when you you know as soon as you graduate, you're going to land an amazing job. Um, and, and, uh, always, you know, I look forward to watching your, your path explode. So it's, it's, it's going to be, uh, going to be amazing, an amazing journey for, for, for us to sit on the sidelines and watch you push ahead. Thank you. Just don't, don't remember who helped, who helped get you there. So <laughs> remember the little guy when I get big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if anybody has any questions or comments, feel free to reach out at, uh, info at techsplaining.net. And until next time we will wrap this call. Thanks, everyone.